What's up, guys? Real quick, I wouldn't be honest if I said this podcast doesn't take a lot of time, effort, and money to put on every week. I do this podcast because I truly want to help you. So if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast yet, I would be incredibly grateful if you could take less than 30 seconds and do so. Your review will not just help us grow the podcast, but also get this in front of more people who need to hear it. Thanks and enjoy the show. In this case, that business should be making at least 250 grand a year in profit, if not more. So what I tell people is, look, which route you go just depends on what your goals are and how quickly you're trying to get open and up and running. Keep in mind, how you start is not necessarily how you finish. And your goal as an owner, eventually you want to get to a place where you're working on the business, not in the business. Welcome to the Franchise Empire Show. They say Rome wasn't built in a day and building your empire doesn't happen overnight. My name is Tarek Johnson, and owning franchises is what helped me go from employee to employer and start building my empire for my family. So this podcast is for you, the empire builders, for those of you who want to build something that stands the test of time. This is for those of you who are crazy enough to believe that you can make the dream in your head come to life. This podcast is all about bringing you real people who are building real empires so you can get inside their mind and heart and get proven strategies and actionable insights that will catapult you to build, grow, and scale your empire. All right, so let's talk about how do you make money owning a franchise? Like, is this something that you have to be full-time in the business, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week? Is it possible to be able to keep your current job and run and operate a franchise or even multiple franchises? How does it work? How is it structured? And let's talk about everything that you need to know. We're going to talk about the the different ways that you can make money owning a franchise. And if you're new here, if we haven't met, my name is Tark Johnson. I've owned multiple franchise locations across the country. And so, you know, what will be cool about this conversation today is that a lot of these scenarios I've done, right? So I've been the owner operator in the franchise I've been semi-absentee and I've been an absentee owner. We'll talk about those terms and what they mean if you're not familiar with those specific terms, but um, I've done those things. I bought a new franchise, I bought a resale franchise as a turnaround opportunity, and literally every single day, all I do is talk to franchise buyers, (laughs) franchisees, and founders and CEOs of franchise companies. So I literally eat, sleep, breathe franchising, right? So the first way, let's just jump right in. The first way to uh, make money owning a franchise, the the first one um, is to buy an existing location, to buy a resale franchise. I start out with this one because it's one that is very uncommon that people don't know about. Right now, there's a lot of talks about buying businesses and buying boring businesses, but you can also buy a resale franchise. And it's it, they can be fantastic opportunities to, uh, for who? Let's talk about that. So for someone, like we have a lot of people that reach out to us and want help finding a franchise. And they, they're like, hey, Tarek, look, uh, you know, I make six figures a year. I make a really good income. And Maybe they're the only one that that uh, they're the breadwinner in their family. They've got kids. They're like, I, you know, 
the idea of having to start over financially and lose my salary and my family is depending on, upon me. It's that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. <clears throat> and even if that's not your situation and you just like the idea of walking into a business that has existing cash flow, existing staff, it's already up and running, it's been proven, then buying a resale franchise could be a really good fit. And there's kind of two ways to go with that. You can buy a resale franchise that is already profitable, that's doing well financially and is cash flowing. Typically, what's going to happen there is you're going to pay a multiple of the business's profits. So as an example, uh, the typical multiple for a resale business is somewhere between a two to four times multiple. Meaning if the business is making a hundred grand a year in profit, you're going to pay a two times multiple. So between 200 grand to 400 grand. And a lot of that depends on how active the current owner is in that business. So the more a business is owner operated, meaning it's dependent on that owner, then the less valuable that business is when it goes to sell. The more the business has a manager or is run absentee or semi-absentee and the business can operate, that increases how valuable the business is. So uh, recently we had someone in our system uh, working with one of the, the franchise brokers that uh, that uh, that we connected them with uh, uh, on our team that, that we work with and have our clients work with. And they found a they found them a resale business that uh, was for sale for, I think it was $850,000. And this, this guy in the zero profitable franchise system, our client, he, he sent me an email. He said, Hey, this is a, man, this is a really expensive business. I don't know about this. This is a lot, this is a lot of money. This is a, you know, kind of really outside of my comfort zone. And, you know, for me, I live and breathe this world. I've bought and sold multiple businesses, so I was actually surprised to get the email because I just assumed that people thought like me, which is the higher the price of the business, typically the better it means the business is. Because when you're buying it for a multiple of its profits, the more expensive it is, the more profitable it is. So in this case, like that business should be making at least 250 grand a year in profit, if not more. And so you're going to pay a higher price for that. If a business is only selling for 100 grand, 150 grand, um, it means the business is not very profitable or the business is losing money. So the cheaper the business is, really the, the more it would be a turnaround opportunity, which is the second way to go about buying a resale franchise. So our second franchise that we bought, so we built one from scratch. When I say we, my wife and I, we built a brand new location from scratch in, in California. And then uh, less than a year later, about nine months later, we moved to Florida. I ran and operated that business uh, and managed my manager from across the country. I did that for three years before we sold that location. And uh, so we bought a resale in Florida when we moved there. Turned out that the location we bought was going to be a turnaround opportunity because it was not really making money. It was like just break even, maybe losing a little bit of money. So we were able to buy that business for a third of the price that it cost us to get the first location open. But the reason why we were able to get it so cheap is because the business was not making money and it was going to need some TLC, you know, it was going to need some love. And I spent a lot of hours. It took me a good bit to turn that business around, but uh, eventually I did. But I, 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 that was me working in the store 
a good 40, 60 hours a week um, for almost a year. And uh, a year later, we increased sales by 35%. So that's a turnaround opportunity. And that's one way that you can make money is by buying a resale uh, location. Number two, thanks for being a supporter of this podcast. The only way this podcast grows is from word of mouth. So if you've gotten one nugget or learning lesson from any episode that we've done, share this with someone who pops in your head that you think will benefit. Imagine the impact you can have by helping them learn something that can build their business. People will associate the value they got from the information from you, the person who shared it with them, all because you shared it with them. I appreciate you and your support. Let's get back to the episode. The second way that you can make money owning a franchise is to buy a new franchise. So this is just your standard deal, right? You you wind up buying a franchise through a franchise company that you like and and there's generally two different ways to go about it. You buy a service business or you buy a retail-based business, right? So service business is, you know, maybe a pest control company or a plumbing company or HVAC or um <clears throat> there's there's thousands of different service franchises, but essentially one where you don't have a a retail location. And then the second way to go about it is to buy a franchise that has a retail location where you're actually opening up a storefront. That doesn't just mean food. It could be food, fitness, beauty, uh, boutique. There's all sorts of different uh, options out there. There's even giant furniture stores. There's a company called Buddy's Home Furnishings or something like that. That's a, that's a franchise, a huge one. You got trampoline parks. You, I could go on and on. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different ones. But when you're buying a new franchise, uh, you're either buying uh, a territory, right? So typically in a service-based model, you get a defined geographic territory of zip codes that become your territory that you're buying. Uh, and a lot of times in service-based models, people will buy multiple territories, um, so that they really have the, the income potential that they're looking for in the business. And, um, for again, a retail location, there's, you, there's oftentimes not any territory protections, um, but maybe sometimes there is. So you can buy new, it's generally going to take longer to get open and running with a retail location. Cause you have to, it's, it's usually going to take about a year. You got to find the location and negotiate the lease, which takes a couple months. So you got to get a general contractor, then you got to get it built out. So what I tell people is, look, it, you know, which route you go just depends on what your, what your goals are and how quickly you're trying to get open and, and up and running. If you're looking to get up and running quickly, you're going to want to go service-based or buy a resale franchise. Uh, but if you're if you don't really care how long it takes to get open, then, then a retail model could work. And in our case, our franchise, when we signed our lease for our first store that we built out in California, we signed our lease. The shopping center was a dirt lot. So what happened was uh, from when we signed our lease to when we opened, took two and a half years. <laughs> we signed our lease in 2015, early 2015, I think March, April 2015 and our store opened in November 2017. That was unique because it was a brand new shopping center and the shopping center had not even been built yet. So that was a, a unique situation. But you can buy a new franchise. And then so for for the next ways that you can make money owning a franchise, let's talk about the different ownership styles when you operate it. 
Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode so far. One of the most consistent things that we hear from people that reach out to us is that buying a franchise feels really confusing. There are so many options out there. It's a scary decision. They don't know how to vet or do the due diligence, really narrow down on the right franchise for them. And then they really feel alone in the process. You might be the only one in your family who's ever pursued buying a franchise or being an entrepreneur. Or maybe you've tried to start a side hustle before or other businesses like me, like before franchising, I was not able to crack the code on entrepreneurship. I'd like to invite you to reach out and work with us. We've helped many clients buy franchises, get them profitable, or buy resale businesses that are thriving. I'm talking about highly profitable resales, great value. We've allowed many of our clients to actually quit their job right away and replace their income immediately. So if you wanna work with me and my team on finding or buying a franchise, doing due diligence, vetting it, or resale, then go ahead and go to tarjohnson.com slash consulting, and we're happy to see if we can help. All right, enjoy the rest of the episode. Number three is owner-operator. So we talked about owner-operator, right? And that is that is something that you can bolt on to whether you buy a new franchise or you buy a resale franchise. So owner-operator is pretty simple. You are the one operating the business on a day-to-day basis. You're pretty much full-time in the business. You may even still have a manager for the business, uh, but if you're there putting in you know, 40 hours a week or so in your business, that is considered an owner-operated business. Oftentimes, they do not have a manager. Um, and typically speaking, right, uh, an owner-operator, owner-operated business is going to have higher profitability in general than if you ran semi-absentee. As an example, let's just throw out like like hypothetical numbers, right? Let's say the the business was producing $100,000 in total profits, but you're the one operating the business. Well, that's great. And then let's say you can hire a manager for $50,000 a year. Well, you hire the manager, pay them $50,000 a year. Now your profits in the business are only $50,000. At that point, it this is where it just depends on what your goals are, what you're looking to accomplish, how many locations you plan on opening, how much access to capital you have. Uh, because at that point, maybe you value, maybe you don't need 100 grand, right? Maybe you only need 50. And what you value is buying back your time with that manager so you can spend time with your family, so you can travel and be able to be more semi absentee in the business, which we'll which we'll talk a little bit uh, about that one next. Um, uh, but maybe if you're someone who's like, "Hey, I need to maximize as much money as I can out of this," I'm looking to replace my income. Well, you're going to put yourself in the best position by being an owner operator. Keep in mind how you start is not necessarily how you finish. In, in our store in California, I started out as an owner operator, then promoted some people got a store manager in place. Eventually, I became semi-absentee shortly before we moved to Florida. Now, once we moved to Florida, I was pretty much an absentee owner. I mean, I would have a call uh, once a week with my store manager. I'd get some text here or there, um, but I had him running payroll. Uh, My employees were doing the cash drops. They were taking the money out of the safe, dropping it at the bank. There's protections and ways to uh, look, I'm I'm super OCD and paranoid. So if I can if I can do if I can run a, a, a like a, a heavy cash business from across the country, um, you can do it too. There, there's ways to protect yourself and 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 check your boxes here and there. Um, 
So that's owner-operator. The next one is semi-absentee, which we just talked about semi-absentee. Semi-absentee is basically when um, you spend some time in the business, but you probably have a manager. You're, you're not full-time in the business, right? And so a few months after opening our store, we still lived in California. Um, at that point, I had promoted the manager. We had an assistant manager. They had been trained up on how to do the main functions and roles of our location, doing inventory. Um, I think I was still doing orders at that point, but there was a lot of stuff that I didn't need to do. I didn't need to be on the line making juice and smoothies, et cetera. So at that point, maybe I would pop in the store for a few hours a day, or if I saw they were busy and needed help, or I'd just sit in the back and get some work done for a little bit. Uh, but I didn't need to be there every day and all day actually working in the business, right? And your goal as an owner, eventually you want to get to a place where you're working on the business, not in the business, right? The next one after semi-absentee is you can own the business with a partner. And you see this happen, especially in some of the service-based franchises. You see this a lot with uh, maybe father and son duos, right? So you may see a father provide the financing and the funding for the business, put up the capital and they own the franchise with their son or their kids. And then the, the son manages the business primarily. Right. And so it doesn't just have to be father, son, obviously it could be father, daughter, mother, daughter, mother, son, any combination of that. It could be any other combination of family member or not. There are people that, uh, we have uh, one of the uh, one of the coaches on our team. Uh, he's owned multiple uh, franchises, been a multi-unit owner, and he's had partners. Uh, and at one point, he was the operating partner for a franchise. So someone else put up the capital. He was the one one running them. So depending upon what your situation is, you could be the one that puts up the capital, finances, funds the whole operation. Then you give a partner some skin in the game. You'll figure that out. Maybe it's whether 10% equity, 20% equity, just a profit share. There's all sorts of different ways on how to structure it. Um, but essentially, you have an operating partner for the business. And so that could be a good way to go. And then uh, last but not least, number six is absentee or the investor model. So absentee is just when... Uh, what I was talking about before, uh, I owned my my franchise. It was across the country. I pretty much had no involvement of the day-to-day -day operations of the business at a certain point. Uh, it just ran. They managed the labor. Uh, again, they did the cash the cash drops and put it put the cash in the bank. We had a lot of money come from credit cards too that just got auto deposited. Um, my uh, store manager was actually running payroll. Uh, they were doing the orders, they were doing inventory. So uh, I was just looking at the KPIs and the numbers. I, I really wasn't uh, involved in any aspect of the day-to-day -day of the business. Now, in order to be absentee, you've got to have good systems in place, accountability, structure, reporting, to be able to see if something's going wrong and see if something someone's stealing from you, if your numbers are on track, et cetera. Um, but that's more of the absentee model. What helped me be a, what I guess what I thought was a good absentee owner was the fact that I had started out as an owner operator. I think it can be very difficult if you go straight into absentee 
and then you don't really understand the business or how it should be operated. So I think the the you put yourself in the best position by gradually getting to absentee by starting out as an owner operator, being semi absentee, and then going absentee, or starting out semi absentee and then eventually getting to absentee. And the combination with absentee is the investor model, which is you're just purely putting up the uh, the capital. You're not involved in any of the day-to-day, maybe this kind of ties in with the partner where maybe you have a partner who is the one that's absentee or operating, but you're just purely putting up the capital and and getting returns uh, back out of it, but really have no say uh, or involvement in the, in the business. So if you enjoyed this episode, um, go ahead and hit the like button. If you're listening on, uh, uh, watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Let me know Uh, what other videos that you want to see, what other topics uh, that you want to talk about. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Hey, before we go, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I put my heart and soul into providing you value through this podcast to help you build your empire. So please subscribe if you haven't already. And the biggest thank you you could ever give me is to drop a review because more reviews equal this podcast getting more listens, which means we can share this message with more people and hopefully positively inspire them like we have you. You can also share it with someone you care about that you believe may benefit from listening. Thank you. And until next time, go build your empire.